Welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday morning, there's a news and analysis episode, which condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a crisp 15-minute summary. There are also regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world and to explore ideas that prepare you for what's coming next and give you something to think about. All right, welcome to episode 254. Wrote an essay last week called Demand, Cyber Insurance, and Automation AI are the Future of InfoSec. And it basically details what I see as some trends over the next 10 to 20 years in InfoSec. It's not super detailed as far as what's going to happen every year or something because it's just ridiculous and no one can do that. But a few main trends that I think uh, will be dominant in the space. Security news. MI5 has set the UK terrorism alert level to severe due to the unfolding attacks related to the display of Charlie Hebdo images in France. There have been multiple attacks all over Europe related to this, so they are on high alert. It is the second highest alert level behind critical. Pretty interesting, actually, how they do their alerts. They go from low to moderate to substantial to severe to critical. Low means an attack is highly unlikely. Moderate means an attack is possible but not likely. Substantial means an attack is likely. Severe means an attack is highly likely. And critical means an attack is highly likely in the near future. So they're basically rotating on probability and then time frame. It's a little weird though because low is attack being highly unlikely. Moderate means an attack is possible, but not likely. And those seem almost the same because low also means it's possible, but not likely. I guess the difference is not likely versus highly unlikely. And I think the main problem here is no one has defined what likely means. And I think this is probably a good system, but it does have that flaw, which I'm sure a lot of people point out. But what are you going to do as an alternative? You're not going to give percentages here. So I think this is probably a good system. Just interesting to note that it does have that flaw built into it. The U.S. government has seized a Bitcoin account related to Silk Road worth over $1 billion. It was basically someone who hacked into the Silk Road and stole a bunch of money and had it in a Bitcoin account. And the U.S. got access to that person's stuff and took their Bitcoin. So. Now they are a billion dollars richer. And Snowden has applied for Russian citizenship, evidently because he's worried about the future for his son. Vulnerabilities. Cisco announces an AnyConnect VPN client vulnerability, and there is active exploit code available. And Adobe is warning of critical Acrobat and reader flaws. I was thinking earlier, why does Adobe have so many flaws? Like, they are the ones we mentioned the most. I can't remember a time when Adobe wasn't number one. I guess Microsoft is another culprit there, but they have so much attack surface that's really forgivable in my mind. But Adobe, so much vulnerability. Why is that? I think it's because their products are focused on input and output, but that's just to guess. Um, I mean, they had a come to Jesus moment around security uh, a while back, 
And of course, they inverted their whole business model to be subscription-based. So business-wise, they are doing fine. But why so many vulnerabilities? You would think that after the Flash era and after they figured out that this is really a problem, that you would see a decline and it would be every once in a while you would see a critical vulnerability and not every single month, which is essentially the cadence that we're on, if not more. So, I don't know. I haven't thought too much about it. Let me know what you think. Is it the number of products? Is it the fact they're so focused on taking inputs? Is it a bad security culture? What are your thoughts? Technology news. DJI's new Mavic Mini 2 has 4K video, does raw photos, and evidently has twice the range of the previous model, which is up to 10 kilometers instead of like four or five kilometers. And I think the U.S. Air Force got in some trouble because they bought a bunch of these to help train recruits. And a lot of people are saying, hey, that's a Chinese drone company. So are they stealing any data from the military when you're using those? So that's a point of contention. But looks like this is a major upgrade. This is the bottom of the line, I believe. Smallest and lightest. Runs for about 31 minutes instead of about 30 minutes. So slight upgrade there. But the biggest one is improvements in the camera and the range. Amazon has launched a new RabbitMQ message broker service. And SpaceX's Starlink satellite-based internet reached speeds up to 160 megabits per second in recent testing. And the expected speeds are around 50 to 150. And I think someone on Reddit got up to like 173 megabit downloads. And they were in like rural Wyoming or someplace like that. So looking like it's really fast. Keep in mind though, there will be a latency problem just because of the speed of light, but those are pretty fast speeds in terms of downloads. Companies, Fast is a startup built on top of Stripe that does one-click checkouts online. Saw a video for this. It looks really fast. I just hope they're spending money on good fraud department. Society News. Oregon has largely decriminalized drugs, including the use of psilocybin for mental health treatment. That last piece, I think, is super critical. I hope everyone does that soon. Looks like the studies are saying, a recent study just came out, it said four times more effective than, I think, uh, regular drugs alone. And I think like 2.5 times more effective than psychotherapy alone. Just really... uh, really high efficacy for this stuff, evidently. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to have this just become decriminalized in culture as well as legally. Bentley is dumping its 12-cylinder engines and going electric. There's some promise out of Columbia University for a nasal spray that temporarily prevents COVID infection, evidently for like 24 hours. It works by keeping the virus from fusing with cell membranes, so it basically can't lock on. And this is in animals, of, of course, this testing was, and they're trying to accelerate human trials and move forward quickly, like a lot of these other companies. So that's pretty exciting. It would be like a shield if you knew you were going into a high-risk environment. Florida is getting ready to release 750 million genetically modified mosquitoes in an attempt to reduce local populations. So I guess they would be sterile and they would mate with a bunch of the other ones that not sure exactly how that'll work. More than 13 million people could lose their unemployment benefits by the end of December. And 
I think this combined with the coming eviction deadlines are a huge concern for me when it comes to the economy. I feel like these are the other shoes that have to drop in terms of the actual impact of the pandemic on the economy. Companies, a company called Bookshop out of the UK, it is a combined local bookshop owners system or website or technology that lets you reject Amazon and actually purchase from local bookshops online. So people are really excited about this because people have wanted to get off Amazon for a long time and support local bookshops. There just wasn't any tech for it. So that's what this is supposed to be. It's bookshop.uk. Ideas, trends, and analysis. So first idea this week, which I have not turned into an essay, otherwise it'd be in the essay section. Calling this When Capitalism and China Collide. So as I wrote about a while back, I think China may have made a major blunder by showing its intentions to the world too soon. I think they're being belligerent and that it's causing countries like the US and the UK to ostracize them and their companies, such as Huawei. I think it's going to be quite interesting to see what wins first, the American model of attracting talent and innovation through freedom and opportunity, or a controlled version of capitalism that has all the benefits of centralization. And in this battle, we just saw what happens when a Chinese phoenix flies too close to the sun, which is it basically falls to the earth. Even Jack Ma, who is the richest person in China, could not say something critical of the Chinese state without severe reprimand. And that is not a great look for the country that desperately needs to attract innovators. China can steal all the IP they want and create as big an economy as they want, but if every creative and brilliant citizen that they have would rather live in the West, they have a serious problem. So the question is whether they'll figure out their freedom problem before the West figures out its cohesion problem. So what spawned this was Jack Ma was about to launch the Ant IPO. This would have been the largest IPO ever in business, in the history of the world, or whatever. Largest IPO ever, bottom line. And it is a giant financial services organization. And so it's got lots of different companies doing lots of different things. And it's owned by Jack Ma, or he has most of the stock. I'm not sure how much of an owner he is, but quite a bit. And he was about to launch this on the Chinese stock market. And the week before, he had actually said something critical of the Chinese state, specifically Chinese banks. He basically said that if you take out a large enough loan, all the risk goes to the bank because the bank is too big to fail and the loan is too big to fail. So it was kind of not a direct attack on only China. It's kind of just a too big to fail attack. But because it was about Chinese banks, China got very upset with him. They summoned him and reprimanded him, evidently. But right when he was about to do his launch of the Ant IPO, they swooped in and shut the whole thing down. They stopped him from going live with the IPO, and they told him they're announcing new regulations that will be coming out soon, addressing financial regulation around the companies that he owns. So it was a giant smackdown by the government to the richest man in China. And again, like I said, it's sending a very clear message to the smartest and most ambitious people in China, that if you act too much like you're in the West, if you act too much like you're all about this capitalism thing and you, you forget yourself, you forget who's in charge here, they will punish you. And I think it's a really bad miscalculation on the part of China. I think it's just going to make more and more people 
want to take their creative ideas and go to Canada or the US or elsewhere in Europe because you can't trust that the government won't just come in and shut you down if you say something they don't like. All right, next idea here, Putin's long play with Trump, question mark. So Putin just announced that Russia will work towards the goals set in the Paris Accord. And he's never said this before, and he made the announcement as an obvious response to America pulling out of the agreement like the day before. And this is exactly the type of thing that I predicted in, I looked it up, it was August of 2016. So I wrote, I forget what the post was, like, why is Putin trying to get Trump elected or something? And this is like, again, very early in 2016. So in short, maybe Putin is trying to get Trump elected so that he'll be able to play the role of international savior from the then obviously evil U.S., So basically, step one, diminish the U.S. in the eyes of the world. And then step two, step in to fill the void. Seems logical. So again, trying not to be too political here. To me, this is clearly security and uh, international politics and international brinksmanship between uh, two nations. I mean, we know the KGB is doing KGB things, right? The FSB or whatever. And there's not really anything more KGB than trying to diminish the standing of an enemy in the world sphere so that you can step up and become more prominent. And I think that's obviously what, what they were trying to do. And it seems to have worked to some extent. All right, updates. I'm currently drowning in books that I can't wait to read, which is a glorious feeling. So I'm almost done with The Upswing, which is the UL Book Club book of the month. I also just found this book called We, which I can't believe I've not heard of before. It's supposedly one of the best dystopian books ever written, and it was actually written in 1924. It's also the inspiration for 1984 and Brave New World. And I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, holy crap, this thing was written in 1924. And I'm imagining how bad it's going to be because there's like no technology. This is, what, 20 years before World War II? So it's like, you know, it's going to be somewhat ancient, but they're really pulling it off. It's a fairly short book. I'm like, I don't know, a quarter, halfway through. I'm not sure exactly, but it's pretty startling and really powerful, highly suggested. Again, it's called We, and it's written by a Russian, and you should absolutely check it out. And the other book I'm just adding to my queue here is called Pedigree, which is about the elitist hiring practices around top jobs. So top jobs in tech, um, financial services, places like that. And I finished the Queen's Gambit, which is a Netflix series about chess. And it was spectacular. I give it like an eight out of a 10. Discovery. Little Snitch has a new version out for Big Sur that uses a different system for intercepting traffic. This allows for additional visualizations and Reduce resource requirements. So if you're into Little Snitch, you should check out that upgrade. The top U.S. colleges ranked by tuition. Unix as literature. Vim tips for intermediary users. I was surprised to see some really cool stuff in here. Why paying to delete stolen data is bonkers. This is from Brian Krebs. The Linux commands handbook. Technical debt as a lack of understanding. Really cool idea here that I almost put in the ideas section. 
basically the idea that it's not so much kluge that is the problem. It's more so a whole series of stacked problems that people don't fully understand. So technical data is a lack of understanding. Pretty cool piece. And a Twitter thread on what happens when you commit a secret to GitHub. This is a really cool flow. Recommendations. If you're not signed up for Clint Gibbler's newsletter, which is called TLDR Sec, you're missing out. He's a great friend of mine at this point and a great connector in the industry. And he's super knowledgeable about security, especially mobile security. So yeah, you should definitely subscribe. It's TLDR Sec. Just type that in and it'll be the first thing that you find. And the aphorism for the week. You can only convince people who think they can benefit from being convinced. You can only convince people who think they can benefit from being convinced. Nassim Taleb. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. The show is supported directly by people like you so that none of us have to deal with advertisements. And if that appeals to you, please consider subscribing at danielmiesler.com slash subscribe. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter so you can get the text version of every episode. We'll see you next time.